the volume. This sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Today I am joined by a longtime pal of mine. God, we go back. We go back, we go forward, we intertwine, we do all of those things. Jackie Redmond is on the show today. Um, You guys, if you're on here because you're a wrestling fan, then you know Jackie because she is now the host of Raw Talk, Talking Smack. She's going to be doing some shows with A&E through WWE. This chick is the shit. She's fantastic. You guys are going to love her. And if you don't really know her or like not super familiar with her yet, you're going to be because I feel like she um, is absolutely going to crush in this WWE role. So get ready for more Jackie Redmond in your lives. Uh, but you also would know her from uh, the NHL Network and NHL on TNT. She, she joined them this season for the NHL season. She is covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. Currently, she is in the thick of it, uh, but she's fantastic. Her and I go all the way back to our days in Toronto. We've known each other for like a decade, something like that. She's great. You guys are going to love her. I don't need to say anything else anymore because we're just going to get into the episode and you can hear for yourselves. So here it is. Here is Jackie Redmond. <laughs> are you on right now honestly three yeah <laughs> I'm not no exaggeration I'm just like it's been a crazy weeks how are you functioning like you are so busy right now between NHL playoffs NHL now WWE like what is happening right now well, everything, I guess, all at once, which you're no stranger to. I mean, you, you've lived that life. Um, it's, I mean, it's so fun and it, it just like you get through it on based purely on adrenaline. But then the second that you don't have something, it is like crash central. Like that's it. Like it's just over for you. And to add to it, like to give you an idea of my day yesterday, like I, I was shooting this um, show for WWE with A&E, which was awesome, but we shot in the morning. So I shot two shows in the morning for that. 
I think our call time was eight. We wrapped at 12. I had to drive to Madison Square Garden to do NHL now for Madison Square Garden. The AC in my car is broken. So I'm, I'm literally like, I'm, first of all, I'm completely made up. I'm so, my windows down the whole way. Like my hair was, I'm just an absolute knot by the time I got to MSG and like my makeup is just sweat off my face. I was like, this is the good life. Like living the dream. Oh my God. Also driving into MSG was a bold choice. I know, but I, I felt like it was, it was my best shot because if I drove to the train station and trained in, I was like, I don't know, it might take me all the time I need just to drive to like Secaucus Junction and train in. Good old Secaucus. Yeah, it all worked <laughs> out. It all worked out. Okay, so what are your moments like when you have that like second kind of debrief, let's just chill in the car for a minute going on to the next gig or like being on a plane. Do you just put on music and zone out or does that become still like prep mode for you? I used to always be prep mode in that time. Like, okay, like let me get myself in order for the next thing that I have to do. And I still do that for a little bit, but I've learned um, through experience that sometimes it's better to just actually do something else. Like take a nap, uh, listen to music, listen to like a, a meditation or, or even sometimes I throw on like a motivational YouTube compilation because I just need to like, I need to recalibrate my energy, you know, and make sure that I'm, make sure that I'm in a positive headspace as opposed to just like a stressful headspace of, oh my God, I was just in like WWE mode. And now I have to make sure that I, I have everything straight from the hockey game the other day and what's happening tonight and who's injured. And sometimes it's better to just, if you feel good, then your instincts will be on point and you'll get through anything. Yeah. 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 If you drop a stat or something, you can make up for it with a little <laughs> song and a dance. Just a little personality, you know, distract them with nonsense. Give it a little zhuzh. Um, How was it working with King Henrik the other day? Is there a more perfect specimen? Oh my God. Like I know people, you know, they focus on, on the look, the overall look. Very handsome. Man. Very, very handsome. What is it like in real life? Does it really like, I feel like his teeth would give off that little ping. Oh yeah. It's like, I need to go buy some Crest white strips after this because my <laughs> teeth are not on that level. Um, no, but you know what? He has like an aura about him as well. Obviously his career speaks for itself. And his look is a very classy, fashionable, put together, like throw him in a cologne commercial, you're good. Like he looks great, but he's so calming and very kind, very nice, was that way as a player as well. And just like so chill, like Hank is chill. So he's he's got a good, a good uh, energy about him too. So it's, yeah, I mean, I guess he's perfect. What a special man. I, he's basically like hockey's Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady would have like the upper hand in championships as Hank was never able to win. But by like societal standards and um, 
you know, just having a very even face. Like he is an attractive human, obviously, but I am not attracted to Tom Brady. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't do it for me. I get that because I don't know that Tom Brady would be my type either. I mean, if you look at my husband, I like him a little rougher (laughs) around the edges. So do I. Not a dig at my husband. I think my husband's very handsome. What a hunk. What a dream boat. But super rough around the edges. And that's it for me. Like Tom Brady is very like, um, very clean cut. So is Hank, I guess. But I I don't know. Hank's got a totally different look. Well, Hank's, yeah, anyways, whatever. We could do a whole podcast (laughs) on that alone. (laughs) I was just about to take like a whole other deep dive and I'm like, whatever, we got other shit to talk about. Um, How was the WWE world treating you? Really good. I mean, I drop your name every chance I get. Like, I have no shame in that whatsoever. I'm just like, I will be that person. It's like, oh, like I'm new. I'm Jackie. Like, do you know Renee? Yeah, I know her. Like me. Please like me. Um, no. But I hope that's working for you. Working wonders. Working great. One, especially with like the Kevin Owens and the edges of the world. Like, it's a great, Great thing to toss out well, there. Well, us Canadians got to stick together. We all have each other's backs for sure. Yes. And you can actually feel that a little bit like backstage. Like uh, it's it's kind of wild. But um, no, it's everyone's been really great, really awesome. Um, it's been a, a kind of a whirlwind experience so far. But what a world. What a world that is. It is like so cool. I mean, I know people know, but just like a friendly reminder that you did cover wrestling in Canada when you were in Toronto, you did Aftermath, shout out to Aftermath, shout out to Right After Wrestling, the OGs. Um, So you had covered it for some time and then, you know, you left Canada, you moved to America, you work for NHL Network, all those beautiful, great things, but now you're back. How, I mean, what, how many years was that? Like five years? Yeah, so I finished on Aftermath five years ago. Look at me and my timelines. I didn't even do the yeah, math. Yeah, you got I didn't, it. Like, I didn't prep that. I just, it's right in here. <laughs> Two coffees for me right now, but I got it. You got it together, RP. You got it together. Was it a little overwhelming though? Like kind of dipping your toe back in that world to go, wait, what did I miss? What's happening? I've been super busy doing all these other things. So two things. Number one, I think having the experience on Aftermath really prepared me to enter that world and that role because I mean, you hosted Aftermath as well. You learn a lot about the dialogue around WWE and how you're supposed to present the brand and a lot of the key terms and a lot of the like, no, no terms and that sort of, so it was very, like, I felt like I was a step ahead in that regard going into it. And, but yeah, the list of the words. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not a belt. Yes. It's not a belt. A belt holds up your pants. But being away for five years, like you do miss things. And when I came to NHL Network, like full transparency, I was all in. I mean, I was like, okay, it is nothing but hockey here. Hockey has always been my dream. You know that. And so for me, it was like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime to host my own two hour show where we're talking the whole time. Like what a dream. So for me, it was reading everything I could, watching everything. I I was just all immersed in the hockey world and the NHL world. I wasn't watching wrestling. So when the opportunity came up, I jumped at it, but I also, and I called you too. I was like, should I do this? What do you think about this? <laughs> yeah. Is this a good idea? Yeah. But yeah, I, so I had visa issues. I got hired by WWE in July. I didn't start for WWE until almost October. I had like two months 
where I could watch Raw, watch SmackDown, watch Kevin Patrick. Get your and, legs back on. Yeah, you. and watch yeah. the show too, right? Because Raw Talk and Talk and Smack are totally different shows than they were, you know, when I was when I was covering wrestling and you were hosting Talking Smack. It's a totally different format. So I was lucky. I got to kind of watch everything and pick up on on, you know, who some of these wrestlers were that weren't doing it when I was when I was covering it. Football fans, check out the Three and Out podcast with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. John brings his unique perspective as an ex-NFL scout to the volume to break down all the news around the NFL and college football. Whether you're looking for game predictions, coaching searches, the ins and outs of the NFL front office, even an occasional golf tip, John has you covered. Download 3 and Out with John Middlecoff only on the Volume Podcast Network. It's so crazy how much our careers have intersected at different times from like, okay, so I was the judge on Gillette Drafted when you came in and won that season. We will unpack that. Um, doing Aftermath, I go off to WWE, you do Aftermath, then you're over at NHL Network, I leave WWE, now you're doing Talking Smack and Raw Talk. Like, it's so crazy. Crazy. And then we got to do Jack and Pack together on NHL Network, which was amazing. Like, that was the first time that we actually got to work together. Like, we had worked literally side by side, like our desks were beside each other at one point at, uh, at the score. But we never did really anything on air together prior to this. And it was done by Zoom. So I do feel a little like ripped <laughs> off by that. But we got a little taste. I think it went well. So it's now we like push for more next year and maybe get some in-studio work together. But uh, it is crazy. I was actually just talking to someone about this a couple of days ago because I've been shooting this A&E show. Can you say what it is or is it like a big secret? No, it's out there. It's out there. It's um, it's called WWE Smack Talk. So, oh yes, you posted about that. Yeah. Yeah. So A&E is bringing back their biographies, which are, which were great last year. And we're basically coming out of the biography is going to air. And then a new show called rivals is going to air, which is about like the best rivalries of all time, which is really actually such a cool concept. And then we come on afterwards and just talk about those things and bring on a guest that's connected to one of those two subject matters. So, And who are you hosting it with, Booker? Yeah, me, Booker T, and Peter Rosenberg. That's a good group. Shout out to Rosenberg. Those two, by the way, so easy to work with and such nice people. Like, they're just really, like, not really any ego there at all. Just, like, very welcoming. I feel like that's kind of like mo not to just like say like, oh, everyone's really great and nice, but I feel like that's the big takeaway for most people working with people from WWE. Everyone's like easy to work with. They're prepared. They they know how like the red light comes on and everyone knows what to do, you know? It's so easy. It is. And um I forget how it came up. We we're trying to figure out like a like a lighting issue or something. <laughs> And someone was like, uh, well, the director or the director, Casey, um, who you would have worked with at some point, I think in Stanford, um, he's been there, I think he said like 25 years or something like that. And, uh, he's like, let me see your Instagram. Let me see how they light you on, uh, on, on your hockey show. And I'm like, okay. And he like goes to it. He's like, you know, Renee, what is this Jack and Pat? What is this? And I'm like telling him the whole backstory. I was like, well, there was like, the Canada stuff and like reality show. Yeah. I was like, here, I'll give you the whole thing. I'll give you the, he's like, that is crazy. And it is like, we go back 
over a decade now. It's so crazy. Like, I don't mean to like, I feel like I always say this to you, or at least I try to make a point of saying this, but I, I, I feel like, like a proud, like older sister or something. I'm like, look at all the things that you've done. Like, God, let's, okay, so let's take things back to drafted for a second. So I started working at the score, scores, uh, the sports network that we both worked at in Toronto, um, maybe like two, three years prior to you coming in. So I'm a judge on drafted, the search for Canada's next sportscaster in in Saunters, sweet, cute little Jackie Redmond. You know what's funny is you were the first person that taught me about hair extensions. I didn't know what hair extensions were. I remember you having a bag of hair extensions. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Oh. <laughs> Those hair, oh, my hair was like jet black. I looked yes. like uh, I should be from uh, like the Adams family. I felt like that was like a bit of my look back then. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So what was that experience like for you of, I mean, how old were you then? Or mid twenties? I think I was 24, maybe 23, somewhere. No, I was probably 24. So this opportunity comes up that there's this like reality show competition to search for Canada's next sportscaster. Did you instantly go, that's for me. Let me uh, put together a little reel. I knew what drafted was. I had watched it before and I had watched, like, I loved the score. I watched you on the break. Like I, I was very into that brand and what they were doing there. Cam Stewart, like the whole thing. He is the fucking best. (laughs) Yeah. So this opportunity comes up. I was working in radio in London and this opportunity comes up to audition for this hockey show, this daily hockey show. They're looking for a male and a female, like in their early to late twenties to host this show. Didn't know the network, didn't know anything. A friend of mine, a girl that I worked with, um, she was an actress before her radio morning show gig. So she used to get all these casting alerts. She goes, you'd be perfect for this. It's hockey. Like sends it to me and is like, you should apply. And I'm like, I have no headshots. I have no reel. I have, you know, pretty much next to no experience in anything except, you know, college and, and, you know, some volunteer work outside of school. But I, I put an application together. I took headshots with my sister in my parents' front entrance. Please tell me you still have those. I'm sure that I could dig them up in my email somewhere. So I apply and they they pick me to go to a first call and I'd never done any sort of audition at all. Like I come in and they're like, what's your actor? And I'm like, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so like, just say your name and give us your phone number. Like, to the, you know, like whatever, like to the yeah. camera. Yeah. So I went through that process for like six months. I had found out that it was for the score. It was going to be this daily hockey show. And I think it was somehow connected to like I don't know, NBC was going to pay the score to like do some show. Anyway, whatever. I do it for like six months. It comes down to me and three other girls and probably like, uh, like seven dudes. And they bring us to the score. It was actually my birthday. And I remember meeting you for the first time then, because you came down and said hi to us all in the green room. And we all auditioned all day. They tried different pairings of us together. A few weeks after that, they called me and they said, you know, we're not going to go with you. Um, you're super young. Like we think you have a lot of potential, but just not sure that this is the opportunity, like the time for you. Devastated. I like, bawled my eyes out to my dad, to my dad, because I was so, I was so naive, right? I thought like that was my own, going to be my only shot. Yeah. It feels that way sometimes though, when those opportunities come up and you're like, I know that I'm perfect for this. Like, just let me get my foot in the door. Like it feels so do or die. 
Exactly. And so I was devastated. And then maybe three weeks later, the casting agent calls me and says, there's this reality show Gillette drafted the same producers that you were auditioning for, for this hockey show that you didn't get, think that you should go on this show. They want to see more of you. This is a great opportunity to kind of like put you to the test and see, you know, what you can handle. They'll put you right in the top 10 if you send in your information and you want to do it. That's how I got on that show was just like, I had gone through this crazy process and, you know, didn't get something. And then, you know, that's why you should always try everything. Cause you just don't know like where it's going to lead. Totally. Like who you're going to get in front of. And it's just, it is having that experience too. I mean, also let's, let's harden the shell up a little bit. We don't, you know, you got to like get out there lose out on some jobs, know what that feels like, because God, is that not the most annoying shit to go through, but it's part of the process. It happens throughout your entire career, right? Like even once you experience success, like you don't get things that you want. It's annoying as all hell. Give me the things that I want. Yeah. (laughs) You got to be ready for that. You got to be ready to be pissed off. Like I was perfect for that. How didn't they pick me? You know, whatever. So when you came in and did um, drafted, though, I always felt that you were like kind of head and shoulders above everybody. I remember a moment when I was like, oh, okay." I don't remember exactly what the challenge was. I think it was when we were getting down to like the nitty gritty finals and you guys had to come out and kind of like plead your case to us as to like why you were so meant to be in that spot. And I remember you being like very poised and very articulate about why you should win it. And I was like, well, shit, I would have crumbled. I would have been like, I don't know. I'm probably not even that good anyways. I'm probably just shit. But I feel like you like really nailed that. I, I, I can like mentally like drop back into that moment of that happening and like being nervous for you guys. I don't remember that part. Well, I remember coming out of that too, right? And and chatting with Greg Sansoni about starting the job and being in that environment. And I, I remember just like, just be ready. Like there's going to be people here that don't think you deserve to be here. Like there's going to be people that are like, this is a contest winner. Like what a joke. And there was some people. Did it ever feel that way? Oh yeah. There was a couple of times it felt that way for sure. Oh, I would love to get the names off air. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely um, had had some cry sessions in the old score bathroom. Um, but like, for me, it's like, that's a chapter in, in my future book. It's like crying in the bathroom part one. There's probably like three parts. Um, <laughs> I love a good bathroom cry. I love a bathroom cry. I love a car cry. But just love a good moment, you know? Gotta let it out. You do, you do. And like, that's just part of the roller coaster of, of the business. Cause part of it is, is me too. Like just caring so much that like little things that happen, they affect you. And like, that's totally fine. It's funny. I remember I'm um, reading Tina Fey's book when she uh, was talking about when she was a head writer of SNL. And she was like, when you're like a woman in that spot as well, like women just react to things differently. She's like, I just had to go in my office and cry sometimes. And it's just what I had to do. And it was fine. And then you get back to it. But it's like the different way that people process things. I'm a big fan of the cry. Yes. Like I cry. I, I am love a, a crier. Cry. Like that is it. I am so due for a cry. I suppress, suppress, suppress. I'm like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. On to the next. Da, 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 da. But like you do need to take that moment to be like, oh, let me ugly cry. Put on a sad album. Pour a glass of wine. Like. I'm all about giving yourself that time to be sad for a second or get out whatever shit you need to get out 
And then you move on and you feel a million times better. And you sleep like a dream after a good cry. But, um, and I do, I think if you bottle it up too much, it just manifests in other ways and affects, you know, your relationships or your, you know, just your, your energy. Anyways, big fan of the cry, but, um, what were we talking about? Oh, to go back to the, to the, to the spiel and the poise, I think like, I was in one of those, those zones for Gillette drafted where like, I knew that I was, I knew that I was good enough to handle the job. And I was, cause you remember that cast was sort of half people that were like good candidates and half like very entertaining, big time personalities. So it was a very like crazy dynamic, but I knew in my heart of hearts, like I am meant to be in this business. I am meant to cover hockey. Like I know this. And I just held on to that. And I I was so just like tunnel vision. I don't know if I've ever been as like in the zone as I was during that show ever in my whole career. Why hockey? Why has hockey always been the thing that you have been so obsessed with? You know what? I just think it's just always been such a huge part of my life. Like people will ask me, when did you get into hockey? And I'm like, I don't have a timeline for you. It has just always been part of my, my family dynamic and the environment that I was raised in. And I think like, ultimately it's such a strong piece of my bond and my relationship with my dad and with my sister and my mom too. But like me and my dad were like, this when I was growing up. And my mom, who is an absolute boss, she was traveling a lot for work. So Monday to Friday, like my mom wasn't around a lot. My mom was home on weekends mostly. And, um, so my mom's still working. She's someone that will never not work, but she is basically a VP of a company called Colmark. So she oversees, um, you know, like bootlegger, Ricky's, Cleo, those yeah, stores. So they, Ricky's. Shout out to Ricky's, there you baby. Go. <laughs> so <laughs> they oversee all those stores and she is um, a VP of sales. And there's a word for it, but sort of the look of the, like the front of the stores. Do you know what I mean? Visual, visual. There we go. Anyways, she's, my mom is an absolute badass and I get my work ethic from her a million times over. She's, she was an incredible role model for me, but for hockey, you know, growing up, I loved hockey. I played hockey. I was very athletic as a kid. So there's that element and there's loving beliefs. Like that's all part of it. But ultimately I think it's just rooted in who I am because that's how my dad and I connected. And I, you know, went through a period when I was a kid where the kids on the street didn't want to play with me. And they had, they actually had like an, I hate Jackie club. They asked me, they tried to recruit my sister. Stop. Kids are the worst. Those little rotten shits. Yeah. I remember telling my sister, like, just go be in it. It's fine. And then you won't have to deal with what I'm dealing with. They're like, I don't even care. Did she join? God, no. My sister is, she has no time. My sister has always been a no fucking nonsense person. She's so, um, when you first meet her, she comes off very shy and reserved. But once you know her. I don't her, think I've ever met your sister. Maybe in passing. I mean, I feel like I have just from like your Instagram and stuff, but I don't think I've ever actually met her. You'd like her. She's, she's no nonsense. Anyways, in that time, I started hanging out with my dad all the time. He was just like, my dad is so funny. He's like, fuck everyone. Just hang out with me. Like, that's what he said to me as an eight-year-old. Um, and we would listen to sports talk radio together. And he would talk to me. We'd listen to call-in shows after the Leafs games. 
and he would talk to me about whatever they were talking about. And I obviously didn't realize this at nine, but in hindsight, just like what an impact he had on me because he treated me like, first of all, one of his buddies, but he also just in this subconscious way taught me your voice matters, what you think matters about this. Like, I want to have a conversation with you about, you know, the Leafs power play. Should Darcy Tucker be on it? Like, you know, whatever. And so it seems so silly, but I think ultimately had such a profound impact on me being the type of person that had an opinion and, you know, wasn't afraid to insert myself into those conversations, especially in such a male dominated field like that's shout out steve-o like that's that's my dad it's so crazy i mean I, I i feel like i think about stuff like that often now obviously having a daughter is you think about what could be a very casual moment as the adult as the parent is this impactful moment on this young spongy little brain that is now absorbing all these things around them. And yeah, I mean, for that to have that impact on you, for you to be able to have those moments of just hanging, I mean, just having those like bonding moments with your dad is amazing. I love a good father-daughter relationship. Oh my God, let me tell you. He is the absolute best. Cheers to him. Cheers to Steve-O. Sweet man. That's the best. Um, Okay, so you mentioned something about being in a male-dominated world and having your female voice in there, you are somebody who is a very feminine woman. Have you had battles of trying to, of of maintaining that while being in this male-dominated world while not having that be the thing that you rely on? I think um, it's taken me a long time to figure out how to have that balance because and I've said this before, I think early on in my career, I very much try. I mean, listen, I've always been into makeup and hair extensions and like whatever. <laughs> um, even then, like the extensions I was rocking were like clip and extensions, like did not pay a lot of money for them. Like, you know, not knowing that you could get like fusions or like permanent extensions that look more real. But I mean, it is what it is. But in terms of balancing the two, it took me a long time to figure out that I could be into fashion and into makeup and still be a credible sports host. And I think because of that early on in my career, I really tried to be one of the guys and I tried to prove that like, oh, I'm not one of those girls. Like I'm one of the guys. And I thought that was like a badge of honor if someone said that to me. And I've realized in hindsight it was actually toxic as fuck for me to think that way. Like, no, actually, I don't need to be one of the boys or not like makeup or not be into self-tanner to be worthy of a spot here. I can be whoever I am. And if that means that I like makeup and I'm a fan of Justin Bieber and I'm into things that are not necessarily sports specific, that's okay. Like dudes have interests outside of sports as well. I know more dudes who love The Bachelor than I do chicks. Nobody questions their knowledge of sports or their spot in the space. No, I know exactly what you mean. Where I feel like if you are a woman in that sport, that needs to be the only thing that you are and it's the only thing you care about. It's the only thing you're focused on where like the second you give someone that shred of that peak of like, oh yeah, I was listening to this Taylor Swift song or yeah, I I was watching Love is Blind or whatever. Great show, by the way. But you feel like you're like, 
letting people in on this other, like you feel like you've got to live like this double life. Yeah. You can't be more than one thing as a woman in a lot of areas, not just in sports. It's like, okay, are you going to be the pretty girl or are you going to be one of the guys? If you're funny, then you can't be pretty. And if you're pretty, then you can't be funny. And you, you know, are you can't be funny and intelligent. Like, which one are you? It's like, no, let's stop putting women in boxes. You know what I mean? Like we can have layers. It has changed a lot in the past 10 years since we've both been kind of in this business where it used to be, okay, I'm kind of the only woman in the room right now. So you kind of do go into survival mode a bit where it is like, all right, I am one of the boys. I am this thing. But once I think having those other females around and you're not trying to like step on each other because that that does happen, obviously, but. I think that happens in everything. I don't think that's a female specific thing. It can be, but like it gets pinned on being this like female thing where it's like, no, it it does not have to be that thing. But once there's more women around and you can have your like allies, I don't know if that word is what I need to kind of put out there, but like once you can uh, have other chicks in the room, it does change that vibe. It changes what that dynamic is. And you don't have to be that one girl that's just appeasing everybody. And I will say too, just to pump your tires for a second, I feel really lucky that early in my career, like I was surrounded by women that were good to other women. Like you were very, very good to other women. So for me, starting at the score, being this terrified person, not knowing much about the business or what it's like, like you've always been so good to me. Even once you left and you're in WWE, you're like on Total Divas, like just ripping it up. Like you still always, if I reached out, you know, wanting you to come on NHL network or wanting advice. I mean, I've reached out to you for advice on more than one occasion and you always, always made time. And like, you don't have to do that. And not everyone does do that. And so I feel like in terms of allyship, you, you have always been such a great ally of mine. And I feel super lucky that I have your influence in my life early on in my career, especially um, same with Sofia Yurkovich in a very different way because we were starting at the same time, but we've always had a very open dialogue. Even like Soph and I have competed for the same jobs. Like we've gone for the same gigs. And so for us to still, you know, to have a healthy relationship and be like, Hey, we both want this, but it is what it is. Like, we're not going to let this turn us into monsters or turn on each other or anything like that. Because I have seen the flip side. Like I have had women not be good to me. And so I appreciate the Renee Paquettes, which is what you will always be to me, um, of the world. So you shout out to you because this business can be tough sometimes. Thank you for saying that. Um, the way I look at it too is like, if you see someone, which I guess is the reason why people do get their feathers ruffled, is if you see someone that you do see that is super talented and you know, okay, this person does belong here and should have a spot, whatever it is. It's not my spot like that. Our spots are separate. I don't have to worry about you taking my, even if that is the case, it's like shit happens, man. Like, I don't know. I I just don't really sweat it. I don't really get down to the minutia. I feel like if something is for me, it's going to be for me. And if it is not, then that is okay. Yeah. For me too. I've always, I've always felt if I have to undercut someone or become a shitty person to get the gig I want, then I probably don't deserve the gig. You know what I mean? Yep. Agreed. So whatever. Sometimes I feel like I get like so like 
I don't want to be that piece of shit person. Like I would lose sleep over that if I was like, if I felt like I had that like guilty conscience of like, oh, I like buried this person and like talk shit or whatever. Like, I don't know. I'm also like a big believer in like karma coming back to like really getcha. I have a guilty conscience too. Like I feel guilty when I call in sick and I am sick. Like I feel like (laughs) I'm wrong. I shouldn't do that. I do until the show is like started or something. I'm like, okay, they're fine. Whatever. (laughs) Back to being sick. Everything's fine. It's all good. It's all good. Um, Talk to me about burnout. I saw you tweet about that or post about burnout the other day about burnout being real. It's something that I have definitely felt in my career at one point. I actually remember when I was still in Toronto and doing a million things, doing a bunch of different things at the score. Maybe I was about to start doing this stuff with WWE. Like I felt like I had my hand in so many pots. And one of my girlfriends said to me, she's like, don't you burn out? And I didn't know what that meant. I was like, nope. I actually like, I love what I do. I feel like I've got so much energy to put into it. I love it. And then I hit that wall where I was like, oh, no, bitch, you need to take a nap. You need to shut it down for a minute. Um, And it's a really weird thing to feel where you're like, holy, what is happening to me right now? Burning the candle at both ends. What's that like for you? Because I feel like you're probably maybe in that now. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's two types of burnout. And I think one we talk about a lot and one we don't talk about enough. The first one, and I think it's one that we talk about a lot, is the fatigue, right? You're burning the candle at both ends. You're doing a million things. You're exhausted to the point of like, sometimes you don't even feel like yourself, but you're getting it done. You're drinking a lot of coffee. You're running on adrenaline and then you crash and it's, you can just sleep for three days. Cause you've just a lot of, a lot of what we do is mental exhaustion too. Until, unless you've like performed on some type of level, You might not understand why it would be mentally exhausting, but it's just like you give yourself, right? Oh, that like show energy is so different. It's not the same as just like bullshitting with your friends. It's like you're on and you're projecting and blah, blah, blah. So I think there's, there's the, the, just the, the basic like fatigue of working a million jobs and being all over the place and traveling and doing all of the things. But I think there's another element to burnout. And this is one that I think I experience more so. The fatigue doesn't bother me necessarily. It just hits me and I I try to get my sleep and that's it. But I think because what we do runs so much on adrenaline and what we're talking about in, in performing and, and giving all the energy you have to a show or to whatever you're doing, there's a come down from that. So when you're when you're performing and performing and performing, and then you wake up one day and you have nothing to do. It's not, it's not a fatigue that hits me. It's almost like, um, this is going to sound so dramatic, but like a sadness. No, I get that. I get that a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel a little down. I feel a little sad and, and it doesn't make sense. Cause I'm like, why am I sad? Like I, I, I have, everything's great. There's nothing wrong, but I feel, I feel an internal like sadness. And I've talked to comedians about this. Um, Emmett, my husband and I have a friend who's, who's a stand up comedian and, he talks about having a similar feeling after doing a run of shows and you're getting that high, that, that happy hormone, whatever it's called that releases when you're performing and and he's a comedian and he's getting laughs and he's, he's thriving on that. And there's a high that comes with doing that. And so when you get off the stage and you go home and you're by yourself, the contrast in feeling so high to feeling just normal feels like depression, even though it's not. 
I certainly attach so much of myself to the identity of what my career is that when I'm not doing that actual thing and I'm just like going about my business, I'm like, what am I doing? It can feel a little, it can feel a little off trying to like justify like the things you're doing and having like that downtime and like what that swing feels like. Yeah, it's, it is a trip. It's a battle sometimes because I think part of that, and I, I can relate to the, to the identity thing as well. It's also just a, productivity thing. I always feel like I should be doing something. And I feel when I'm not that I'm losing somehow, or I'm taking a step back. God, how exhausting is that? Yes, I know. It's so true. I get that a lot too. It's funny when I see people like, I like, I definitely felt like this too, because when you're working with WWE, there's no off season. So there's never that moment of like, okay, well, I'm still doing the thing, but we're all collectively taking a break. And then we're going to get back in the thing again. Like I've always been very envious of shows that have hiatuses. I'm like, oh my God, what I would give for a fucking hiatus. That sounds great. Like you still have like, you're not like, I'm sure in, in a hiatus, maybe it's different. I've not been there, but feeling like I'm not, you don't have that feeling of taking a step back or like, I don't know, not being productive. It's it's an on purpose. We're all doing this together. Okay, let's take a breath and then get back to the show. I think social media has contributed to that too, right? Like feeling, okay, well, I'm not doing I'm not doing my show right now, but I should probably be posting or I should be, you know, engaging in some way with an audience. I've gotten better about it. I, I've really in the last few years, shout out to my husband. I've really started to care more about my work-life balance. Like I sacrificed a lot in my twenties. I missed, I mean, countless weddings, countless important family and friend things. I've lost friendships over me focusing on work, like legit. And so now, you know, I think I do a better job of being, you know, just aware of, of how much I'm sacrificing. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be, you know, wow, you know, I married this amazing man and I, I never saw him, you know? (laughs) Yeah. How do you guys strike that balance? Um, let's talk about that. And I want to know like your guys whole romance story. Oh gosh. Well, there's a drafted connection, which is wild. Okay. So, um, okay. How do we operate? I used to say we were long distance before we got married. Now I say we split time. So in the summertime when hockey's over, I'll be predominantly in Nova Scotia and wherever I have to go for work, be it WWE. And I, I fill in on MLB network and stuff. I'll just fly in and do it, stay for a few days and then go home during hockey season and the pandemic as a whole, that's a whole other beast. Um, but now that we're back to sort of normal, um, Emmett luckily in the winter can work remotely. So he comes here, he stays with me two, three weeks. Then he goes home, makes sure our house is still hasn't like burnt to the ground. He's there. Everything's good. And then he'll come back for a couple weeks. So through the winter and early spring, it's, it's actually pretty easy for us. And then, um, you know, right now we're, we're in a bit of a, we're both working our asses off right now because his summer business is, is in its, its peak. So he's focused on that and, and I'm here, but, uh, the summer, we always get a lot of time in the summer, which is nice. How did you guys meet? Because I feel like you are probably a hard woman to pin down. I don't ever even remember you talking about having a boyfriend before getting married. I mean, prior to seeing you with Emmett, I was like, who is this woman? What's happening here? We cannot let this woman go to waste. She is not going to waste. Emmett has stepped in. What's happening? 
So Emmett and I met through Peter Brown, who was on Gillette Drafted. So I'm on Gillette Drafted. There's a guy on Gillette Drafted named Peter Brown. Whatever. We become friendly over the course of taping the show because, you know, he wasn't a complete ass to me uh, like some of the other contestants. I'm just kidding. Um, So we become friendly and I start working at the score. Peter's from Vancouver. A year later, he gets on Big Brother Canada, the first ever season of BB Can. So he goes on there and who is on that show with him? But my husband, who I don't know at the time, they become friendly. So in like 2013, maybe. Peter hits me up and is like, I'm going to be in Toronto doing big brother stuff. We're all going to a Jays game. Would love to see you. You should come. I'm like, totally. I would love to. So I go to the baseball game. Emmett is there with his girlfriend. I'm in a separate relationship. Listen, I always thought he was cute, but I was like, (laughs) his girlfriend was pretty awesome. Actually, Jill, he, she was on the show as well. So I met them and it was, it was a big group setting. There was like eight of us. We all hung out. It was nothing, right? Then the following year, Peter hit me up again and I would hang out with, you know, same thing, a whole crew of of big brother folk. I would hang out with them. So Emmett and I were acquaintances at best, didn't have each other's number, nothing like that. But, you know, we had the social media follows and whatever. So never really talked at length about anything over the years, just kind of, oh, hey, congrats on the gig or like a comment on a picture or whatever. And then once I moved to New York, he reached out to me to uh, promote, he, he has a, had a fitness business and he was doing this 12 days of fitness challenge. It was like an online social media thing. And so he reaches out to me and is like, I noticed you've been posting a lot of workout posts. You have an audience, like, would you be into doing this? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I start doing that and we just start talking and talking and talking and talking and talking in the Instagram DMs, by the way, like just sending each other like video messages, like voice notes, but video form in the Instagram DMs. And after weeks of that, you know, he finally asked me for my number and we got on FaceTime and we would hang out on FaceTime. And I never thought we would end up together. I was like, this guy's cute. And maybe we'll have a little fling, but he lives in Nova Scotia. I'm living in New Jersey. This, how would this ever work? And I remember telling some of the makeup girls at NHL network, because we tell them everything. Of course. They know all the piping hot tea. Those (laughs) women know everything. So about everyone. Um, So I was going to Nova Scotia for my grandmother's 91st birthday. And so he was like, listen, we've been talking at length. It's like a month away. It was, it was, we were a month out from me even being there. He's like, we got to hang out if you, if you have time when you come here. And I was like, of course, absolutely. I'd love, love to hang out. So I remember going into that weekend with the mindset of like, I'm just going to have a time, you know, like he's cool. He's super nice. We get along. Obviously we're talking for hours a night at this point. And I remember telling them like, that's nothing's ever going to happen. It's just going to be a fun story. And now we're married. So (laughs) that's how that goes. Oh my gosh. So why him? Why was Emmett the one? Ooh, oh my gosh. Um, So many reasons. He is, I feel like he has been in my life my entire life. It is a weird thing when you meet someone and I can't remember having a life before him. I feel that connected to him where I'm like, you've always, how did I live X amount of years before you were in my life? And he's just such an amazing human. 
he's just a really good person. And I have never felt more like myself with someone in any relationship that I've ever had. He pushes me in all the right ways. He accepts me in all the right ways. He knows when to go which way if I'm in a certain mood. Do you know what I mean? Like he knows when to push me and he knows when to be soft with me. He's just perfect for me. And I just feel like we just understand each other and we accept each other. And I just feel like I would not want to do life with anyone else. I, yeah, I'm the same. Like when I think of like, I'm like, God, what did I do before I knew you? Like, what was I doing with my time? It's it's so weird to think about that. I mean, it's almost like like John and I say that like when we had our dogs. It's like, what the fuck did we do before we had the dogs? It's just like they're always there now having a baby. What did we do before we had a baby? And I feel that way about John too. It's like, what the hell was I doing before you were here? Love a good love story. Fight fans, take your best shot with $200 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. It doesn't matter if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out. New customers get an instant $200 in free bets on your first bet of $5. Just sign up with promo code Renee to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. Choose from the money line to the method of victory and so much more. To get your $200 in free bets guaranteed, just sign up with promo code Renee. That's R-E-N-E-E on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable fee bets that expire 14 days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. The Tennessee red line is 1-800-889-9789. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Okay, as our time is winding down here, we've covered a bunch of things. You are on fire. I know, it's crazy. An hour. Sometimes I'm like, wait, is this why Joe Rogan does three hours? Because you have someone on and you're like, wait, there's a million other things I didn't get to talk to you about. I'm starting to understand it. I hate three-hour podcasts. I hate them. I think they're stupid. But usually when I'm done an interview where I'm enjoying talking to somebody, I'm like, should we do a three-hour show? (laughs) Um, Okay. You're on fire. You're doing a million things. Everything's coming up, Jackie Redmond. Has your goal changed of what you still want? What are the things that are on your bucket list job-wise? What is that dream gig for you right now? So I think for a long time, I had a dream gig, right? I wanted to have a hockey show. I wanted to be involved in hockey, whether I was a part of a show or having my own show. I just knew hockey was it get into the NHL in some, I would have done anything, reporting, hosting, didn't matter. So I've accomplished that now. And I think when you accomplish something that you spent the majority of your life dreaming about and working towards, there is a weird thing that happens where you go, what am I, what am I pushing for now? Like, what is, what is the goal? And I think that that becomes a hard question. I've had an absolute blast doing NHL now for the last five years. I work with the most amazing person in EJ Raddick. I've gotten to work with you through that experience, which has been unreal. And I will always want to be involved in hockey. Like that's never going to go away for me. It's just because of, of how, um, 
much I love it and, and just its impact on my life, I, I will always want to be involved in hockey. But I think in terms of specific goals, I've always wanted to do an Olympic Games. I've never had the opportunity to do it on any level, like even just doing like a virtual digital video, like zero. I've not touched the Olympics. So I would love to do something Olympic related. And I think too, we're living in a, the industry has changed so much since I started, since you and I were at the score at the same time, everything has been so different. And I, it's possible now to make yourself the brand. And I think for me, that's part of what I want to try to accomplish is to be my own entity that will bring in opportunities that I've dreamt about on their own. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've always wanted to write a book. You've done that, by the way. Congrats on the book. Amazing. So to do some of those things, I think having your own personal brand allows you to take on more opportunities and do more things. So, you know, people like Pat McAfee, I'm so jealous of that guy. It's insane. Dude, who's not jealous of that guy? That guy's fucking crushing life. Yeah, like you want to do life the right way and enjoy every second. Pat McAfee is the model. I think Paul Bissonette has a bit of that as well, where he is his business. And so if I could get to a point where being Jackie Redman is the gig, like to me, that's that's the ultimate dream because you can work from anywhere, you can do anything. That's a massive goal, obviously. But I think for me, that's what I'm working towards. No, but it's it's an attainable goal and it is a real thing. I mean, it does obviously take all of the work to do all the things, but you know all of that stuff. It's just time and the effort to do it. But I have no doubt that you'd be able to do that. What is it for you? Because you're in a new space now. Well, I guess it's been it's been a minute. It has been a minute. But yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, kind of the same thing. I mean, when I started even wanting to do like this show, it was like, okay, how can like, how can I do what Pat's doing? How can I do what somebody like a Joe Rogan's doing? Everyone just, I, I don't mean his, all the bullshit he spews, just the model <laughs> of his show. Um, but yeah, being able to do that to, yeah, I, I never really thought about it in the terms of what you just said of like being the, your own brand. But yeah, that that is kind of the thing. Like as much as, you know, I would love to go do a daytime talk show. It always used to be like a late night show that I wanted to do. And I'm like, mm, maybe more like daytime's like my speed. I look at like what Drew Barrymore is doing, who, of course, she's Drew Barrymore. She's like the most beloved um, actress of our time, basically. Um, but looking at what she's done, I love Kelly Ripa, like something in that space where you can still just be like cheeky and fun. But I have so many different interests that that's why I feel like I would love to do a show like that. It's like, I love to cook. I also love to really get nerdy about movies. I love interviewing people. I love talking about music. Like, I feel like I could be that sort of like Jill of all trades, depending on what the segment called for to, to step in to do that. The thing I love about you, and I've always admired and wanted to, to get on the same level as you at, is you could handle anything. Like you, I have never seen Renee Paquette rattled by anything. And you're so good. You're so good at interviews. So for me, it's them. like this talk show, you connect with everyone and everyone. I'm not just saying this. I know people watching are like, oh, you're biased. You're on her show. Of course, you're going to say nice things about her. But everybody, and I'm serious because I do really drop your name a lot. <laughs> I just am like... I, I don't know. I'm intimidated. This is, this is what I got. And so, um, everyone always just speaks so highly of you. Everybody loves you. You are so loved at WWE and so respected. And I think it's because 
you treat everyone the same. You, you know, there's no, there's no ego with you. And when it comes to interviews, like there's nobody like you, you can talk about anything with any type of personality and it will be entertaining. So basically your show is going to happen. This talk show. <laughs> I just hope it. that I can, I can be a guest one day. One, I, I will bring on level. the brand that is Jackie Redmond and we will make <laughs> some shit happen. 100%. Yeah. Hey, listen, I got you girl. I got you. I got to actually step up my skills. I've got to bake a cake this weekend for Nora's birthday. So we'll see how baking goes. Is there going to be a second book? I don't know. I I mean, I would love to do. So I, yeah, when I did the first book, I was like, okay, here we go. Buckle up. What recipes do I, oh, I need 60 to 70 recipes. Oh shit. So I was like, what am I making? And I didn't have a sweet tooth then. Then I got knocked up. And I love sugary things now. So there's no baked goods in my books. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I could do a little, maybe I could do another version of that. But even like aside from like a cookbook, I've always really wanted to write like a book book as well. I was definitely a little bit envious when John was writing his and I was like, oh, you're like actually writing stuff. His is so good. This fucking guy, man, he's just like, his way with words, the way that his brain remembers things and his storytelling ability is honestly next to none. Like, kind of kills me. I feel like I have to work so hard at every little thing I do. And he's just like, nah, da, 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 da. He's one of those people. It just comes naturally. <laughs> yes, eh? yes. What a jerk. Kills me. Kills me. But he's the best. Um, all right, Jackie, I'm going to let you get on with your day. I'm so happy that I got to finally have you on here. I love seeing you in WWE, by the way. I feel like um, I feel like they are obviously, ju- you've been there for not very long, but they're scratching the surface on what they have in you. They're very, very lucky to have you there. So continue to crush it. Continue to crush the NHL playoffs. Holy shit. What's your final prediction, by the way? I think it's going to be Colorado, Tampa. I think Colorado's winning the cup though. I've said it from the jump. You so. did. Yeah. Although they're going to have like nine days off before the final. I don't know if that's good or bad or what. So we'll see. And their one weakness for me is goaltending. Like can Darcy Kemper out duel Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin? I don't know. I don't know. So it's going to be fun though. And I'm so excited to be on the road again. We haven't done the cup final the same in the last two years. Normally they send all of us on the road. We set up a set. You've been on it. You've been on with us when Vegas was in. Yeah. We haven't done that in two years. So this year we're doing it. And so it's going to be, there's just such a fun element of everyone on the team gets to go on the road together and it's a big production. And Uh. That's so fun. fun. Well, enjoy it. If you do have to go to Denver, um, mind the beers is all I'm saying. That altitude rocks your world. (laughs) I I have zero doubts, but I can't promise that I'll be responsible in that regard at all. Um, But uh, Renee, I can't even believe you asked me to be on this podcast. So thank you for having me on your show. Um, nothing but love. And I can't wait to work again together. We got it. We're going to up the ante on season two of Jack and Pack, I think. We're going to figure something out because it needs to happen. Listen, it's hard to find the good chemistry sometimes and we've already got it here. So let's just find the right spot to put it. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. 
A big thank you to Jackie for jumping on here, hanging out with me. I mean, damn, you want to talk about a busy woman right now from everything she's doing with NHL, NHL Network, hockey playoffs, to being pulled in a million different directions with WWE. So I'm really happy she carved out an hour for me to get to, to pick her brain and hang out. This chick just like radiates so much positivity and you know like some people do that and you can tell there's like it's just like somebody like fabricating that kind of energy. There's so much authenticity with Jackie that I think is so infectious. She's one of those people that you just want to like hang out with and have a good time. She's a good hang. We love a good hang around here and that is Jackie. So whether you want to talk some hockey, talk some wrestling, just grab a beer and shoot the shit. Jackie's your gal. So if you don't already follow Jackie Redmond, get on it. Check it out. Get your eyes on the product. You know what to do. Um, Okay, guys, until next time, this has been another episode of The Sessions. Bye.